You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. Moving along here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Brought to you by Larry King Law with the Coach Ed Young. I'm Matt Hatfield. We are on remote from the VHSL State Basketball Tournament. At VCU, the Siegel Center in Richmond, calling the games for the NFHS Network. You can watch them live, archived, including a couple of championship games later on today. Ed, we'll get to that in a second, including the local teams involved. And you'll hear from Stefan Welsh of Woodside, also Jack Castleberry, assistant coach at Fairleigh Dickinson now. But let's talk a little bit of NCAA basketball. Uh, big news this week, you being a veteran coach of 30-plus years, getting that 500th win earlier this season. I'm sure this one took you by some surprise, maybe not. Jim Beheim, he is done as the head basketball coach of Syracuse after losing to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament. Sort of an interesting press conference where he was not saying he was done, but he insinuated he was done, and it later came out that he was done as the coach. Sort of the, the old guard, if you will, with Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski and now Beheim. They're all departing from the sport. And, I mean, when you think Syracuse, you think Jim Beheim. He's been an institution there in a lot of ways. Yeah, and you're looking at, uh, was it last year, uh, Jay Wright, Villanova, su- resigned suddenly. Su- He's a young guy compared to them. Yeah, correct, compared to them. So a lot of the old guard is making a step down. I didn't think Bayheim had that many more years left in him. I think he wants to, you know, just walk away 47 years in one place. Plus, he was a guard. He played there, too. So, uh, you know, it, it's just, just what it is. It's, they're not going to last forever. It's a stressful job. Those guys were very successful. They were able to stay in one place so long. And that's the only way you're going to do it. Has, you have to, A, win. B, you got to recruit well to win. And then you've got to not only be among the best teams, but you got to get in the NCAA tournament. And depending on your lineage as to how good you really are, you got to win some games to stay around now. Pressure's immense. I know some of those guys, ACC, SEC, make big money. And, and, and hey, if I can make big money, I know i got to win too, but still the pressure's unbelievable. And there are constant coaching changes with Mike Anderson getting the boot at St. John's, Josh Pastner out at Georgia Tech, Patrick Ewing done at Georgetown. So no more Patrick Ewing. Who's going where? You've heard some names like Rick Pitino. He of Iona connected with the Hoyas first, and now the Red Storm of St. John's where it feels like it's a more logical fit for him. I've always thought Patino, the two spots for him, either St. John's or South Florida. You know, he's always had that connection you know, the Outback and the folks under the Sunshine State, maybe that would be a place for him. But in New York, he wants to get back to a big-level job. I think it's going to happen for him at some point. And there are just so many changes everywhere you turn. We know about the news of Mark Adams resigning at Texas Tech. It came shortly after the news that he made some insensitive remarks that were racially, uh, you know, insensitive there. And uh, Adrian Autry is going to take over at Syracuse, so we know who is going to fill the shoes of Jim Beheim. though it's hard to fill those shoes. But – so many openings everywhere you turn, and we don't know who's going to take Mike Bray's place at Notre Dame either. 
And we don't even know if Mike Bray's really done. He said he was stepping away from Notre Dame. I think the word retirement was used. Now the rumor is he would be a great fit for Georgetown because he is originally from that area. Now, does Mike want to continue doing it? Is he burnt out? Is it Was his mindset, hey, I'm done? He did say, though, I did see in a write-up somewhere that he was in, would be interesting maybe to continue coaching, but it have to be the exact right spot. And Georgetown's going to need some work to get some players in there. Patrick Ewing should have never been brought as a head coach. If he's going to coach again, it was in the NBA. He was tailor-made for NBA, not for high school. That was a college. That was a disaster from the minute it happened. A lot more smaller school jobs. Bowling Green's open. Austin P. Nate James is out. Army, American, Mike Brennan, no longer the coach there. We've heard Jason Williford's name, an assistant, former GW coach. Jamie on Christian mentioned as a possibility there. Uh, Nate Davis out of Bucknell, who used to be the coach at Randolph-Macon. Uh, Brian Bird didn't last long at Georgia Southern, uh, a Sunbelt rival of Old Dominion. So we just keep all these coaching jobs, uh, and I appealed on so many of them across the landscape. Now, since it is almost tournament time and these conference tournaments are finishing up across the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, some of your bigger schools. There were bids punched earlier, and we'll hear from Jack Castleberry about Fairleigh Dickinson going dancing despite not winning its conference tournament because Merrimack is ineligible for it. Uh, give me your thought. Is there a surprise team out there? Because a lot of chalk people say the one seeds are going to be some combination, Houston, Alabama, Kansas, Purdue, maybe a UCLA squeezes in there if they win the Pac-12 tournament to go with the regular season title despite having that injury to their defensive stopper. I don't know that all the ones are going to get there, but there's always a Cinderella, a double-digit seed that makes a run to like the Sweet 16. My team is a team I think you snickered out a couple of years ago, Oral Roberts. Watch out for Oral Roberts. Yeah, you like to pull out those teams that we don't really hear much about, don't really see on TV a whole lot. This year, you know what? I'm changing up. I'm sticking with the the, the teams you hear or excuse me have heard. I think I like I like do like UCLA. I always have liked them, and you know somebody like in Arizona. Of course, a lot of people like Houston, they were bouncing back and forth between number one and down a little bit this year. Team I'm not going to go far, watch that they will. Purdue, uh, I just think they're made out of glass. I don't see that team uh, going deep. But I think this is a year when you do the brackets, I know people say it's boring, go chalk because it's going to be hard to pick those surprise teams even though there's a whole lot of teams that have a chance to win it. In reality, you're looking at probably – maybe five, ten teams that can win it. So that's the advice from Ed Young, which if you follow our football picks, just do the opposite. That means there's going to be all kinds of crazy zany upsets and comebacks galore. So don't take all the one seeds when you fill out your bracket. Go take someone off the radar screen. Maybe my guy like uh, Miami, Jim Laranega and the Canes, or take a Creighton or take a, you know, anybody that the Texas A&M. How about Buzz Williams? He's doing a good job there. And I called that last week over Bama, by the way. You and Rister, I think, took the tide. I, I took the Aggies to get it done, and they came through for me. So there are, there are dark horse that might make an Elite Eight, Sweet 16 type of push. It could be. Like I said, it, it's, a, it's a year where you had teams that blew 20-point leads in the second half more often than once. So I'm telling you. It is really, really different. There's no real – everybody consensus is there's no real power team or two. How about North Carolina? Looks like right now as we speak they're won't done. Even, won't even be in the tournament. And Duke, who a lot of people were a little, little worried about with Shesky leaving, look like they're going to be pretty good. Getting healthy, getting lively back is a big deal for them. And NIT for, for UNC. And uh, NIT means not in the tournament for them. As we go back to the high school hoops on this state championship Saturday here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. The Saturday matchups of all the local teams, Ed. 
We'll start in class five. Princess Anne girls, LC Bird girls. Expectation is Darnell Dozier is going to add to those rings as he puts them on his fingers and his toes, and then he's going to run our fingers and toes to put them on. Sakaya Stevenson, you watched him against Norview. She is lethal. Ole Miss commit. Probably needs some step-up scoring to go with her, but Elsie Bird has played them before. They won't be intimidated. However, I'm not sure they have everything you need to get it done in 32 minutes against a team that brings the pressure defense. Well, we talked state tournament. Darnell Dozier usually makes a reservation for here. What's he got 11 rings, more rings than no, – I think it's like 12 or 13 at this point. He's going to have 20 by the time we're done doing this show. Maybe he'll have 25 by the time we're doing I, I this think, show. I think it is. The correct number I think is 11. He has more. He doesn't have enough plays to put the rings on. I, you know, somebody like him over 700 wins, I, I can't go against them. Uh, they'll lose if they lose. Uh, great statement to make, but I really can't go against them. Now, yeah, Elsie Burr is very, very good, but I think Darnell Dozier, I think those young ladies have been tested enough. They'll find a way to win that. You said they lose if they lose. I, I don't even want you to begin explaining that to me. You, you don't pick a legend to lose until they lose. That's what I say. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, and you said 11. I'm showing 8, 9, 10, 11. I'm showing 12. I think you shorted him a ring. He's going to tell you about it too later on. He probably won't come on because of that, so shame on you. So many rings, you can't keep up with them all to begin with. How about uh, Stefan Welsh trying to get his third ring? He won two as a player. You'll hear from him coming up here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. Taking on Patrick Henry of Roanoke. Remember the name Abu Yarma? He's very good. Sidney Webb, who played some quarterback football team, transferred in from Northside, by the way, for PH Roanoke, and they have a three-point marksman and Brooks Deary Patrick Henry Roanoke gets to the stage of the tournament and I think some people wonder about just how good they really are Woodside has been tested out of the tough PD they play teams like Gonzaga not Gonzaga with Drew Timmy and the school that Chet Homer went to but Gonzaga the high school the private school out of Washington DC but Patrick Henry is here for a reason they have won 29 games out of 31 for a reason the only two losses and blemishes coming to William Fleming I don't think this is an easy game for Woodside. I think they can make an easy game, but this might be tougher than many are bargaining for and expecting. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Woodside's definitely the the better talented team, the little bit more physical team. I think Patrick Henry comes in with some talent, um, very high basketball IQ. They really take care of the basketball. They, they run their offense a little bit longer than what Woodside does. Yes, Woodside has played the fantastic schedule obviously uh, in a peninsula peninsula district and they played some really really tough out of district uh, opponents somewhat on a national level too but Patrick Henry has always played a tough schedule also I'm going to lean towards the talented uh, Woodside team I know it's their first time here but um, I'm going to lean a little bit towards them but won't be surprised if Patrick Henry pulls it out they're that good also you figure the star for PA and Zakaya Stevenson going to Ole Miss has to play great for PA to win, most likely. Does Trevor Smith, the Richmond signee, have to play great for Woodside? He had that huge fourth quarter in their win over previously unbeaten Menchville in the region semis at the scope. Or do they have so many other weapons, eight or nine guys that have led them in scoring, that it's not paramount or an absolute necessity that he has 15, 20, 25 points or a bunch of assists and really dominates the game? No, I don't think you have to rely on the one person. I think Woodside has enough firepower 
um, throughout their, at least their starting five. And, and they de- do get decent contribution off the bench. But I will warn Woodside this. Do not go into periods where you find it very hard to score and then your defense gets a little bit edgy because Patrick Henry will pick you apart. And we've seen that, uh, i.e. the uh, Hayfield and Patriot game. Both teams great shooting teams. Patriot just never got off the bat, went into stretches where they really couldn't score and had a heck of a time trying to catch up and take the lead. Eventually, they end up losing. Class two girls, real quickly, Ed, uh, Central Wise, led by Robin Dotson, 700-plus wins. I think it's seven state titles for him. He's got his team back in the championship after outlasting six meetings with Gate City, winning four of those, including the game in the state semis to get them to the title round. And here they are playing Clark County Central Wise at 25-6, and six, Clark at 24-5, and five, having beaten John Marshall. Girls, not boys now, in overtime. I know you were thoroughly impressed last year with Emma McCamus as a freshman, setting a VHSL record for points in a season for a freshman girl. And Robin Dotson's a wizard. He's one of the best out there. They came from a long ways down to beat LeRae, I feel like it's going to be another title for Wise. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going against Robin. I mean, again, what, 700 wins. He's had his teams there who had those girls prepped and ready to go. I would think that will go with Central Wise. But, again, not a blowout. I still think it'll be a close game. And news bulletin, ladies and gentlemen, the coach, Ed Young, who has not missed a state championship pick yet here on his selections, he is going to take Rick Corman, another veteran coach, because he doesn't go against Dozier, he doesn't go against Dotson. He's not going to go against guys with 700-plus wins since he's trying to get there, even 600 where Billy Pope is. He's only got 502. That's all he's got is just 502, folks. He's going to take Cormany, who's up to like 759, I think it is now, and the Bobcats to avenge that 82-43 to loss to John Marshall from a season ago. Is that correct? Absolutely not, because they're playing a team called John Marshall. And if anybody's seen John Marshall play, 100 points a game, their average and a margin of victory is like 30 points a game. Nah, I'm sorry, Rick. I, you're going to be the one legend I can't go against. I'm going to go with. I'm going to have to go against you, and I'm going with John Marshall. And another pretty doggone good coach in Ty White. The Jersey Mike's Subs National Coach of the Year. We can say that even though they don't sponsor our show because he got a National Coach of the Year honor. And I think all the Richmond dignitaries were shaking hands, kissing babies, and throwing a party for him the other day at the Siegel Center. But they're winning by more than 30 points per game. They won their state semifinal game 112-49. to All Division One starters in the starting lineup in terms of offers or commits led by Dennis Parker Jr., the NC State signee. And oh, by the way, they beat Strasburg 98-27 in the state quarters. Radford had to come from 10 down to get to overtime and beat Floyd County in its state semifinals. So it's going to be an uphill climb for sure, you would think. I say hold the ball, Rick. Get that tip or get down 2 nothing, 3 nothing. Hold the ball. Yeah, you just can't wait to see a team do it. It's awful, awful tough to do it. you got A, B, somewhat used to being able to do it. you got to be able to have the right people that can handle without getting pressurized on the floor because you're talking about trying to hold it the whole game, not the last minute or two of a game with a short lead. It's going to be tough. Plus, you're going to hope John Marshall doesn't want to have to go play you. They're long and likely out front. They're going to probably want to, if you would do that, they're probably going to run a 1-3-1 trap. Definitely going to double-team you, try to speed up the game. Cape Henry, Grant, and Virginia Beach native, Jack Castleberry of Fairland Dickinson coming up in a bit. But next on the show, it's Woodside head basketball coach Stefan Welsh going for a state title with the Wolverines. It's coming your way on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. 
All right, we are here on our VirginiaPreps.com Zoomcast, also available on our YouTube channel, as well as heard on 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 FM across the Commonwealth. Matt Hatfield here with you, and please be joined by a special guest. This guy was one of the best ballers to ever come out of the 757. He was lacing them up from three-point distance for the Woodside Wolverines, went on to play in the SEC at Arkansas, of course, started with the Williams travel team as well, and now he's the head basketball coach in his sixth year, fifth season, with the Wolverines now getting ready to play a state championship game at the Siegel Center VCU one o'clock tip on a Saturday in March. What better place to be for Steph Welsh and his Woodside squad? Coach, congrats on a great season. Region champs this year and your one win away. Uh, just 32 minutes from hoisting the trophy again, this time as a coach to go with your two times as a player. Matt, first of all, thank you for having me here, man. I think at this time of the year, it's a blessing to be able to still be practicing and then still have games on the schedule. Well, it certainly is because you're only one of what? I think it's uh, 12 boys teams in the entire state, the public school level, 12 girls teams. There's six divisions now. When you played, it was three. You remember the great glory, triple A, double A, single A days, which is a debate and discussion for another time. But let's flash backwards a little bit if we can to a season ago. I know we spoke in the offseason. You were 18 and six last year, had a good group. You lost a heartbreaker 63 to 62 to Maury in the regional semis at the Norfolk Scope in a game where you were up 16 drop that one. And I remember you telling me this group is a special group coming back. They've been motivated, fueled by this and led by Trevor Smith, who we'll get to. He's going to the University of Richmond. And uh, you got back, you got some payback against Maury, both in a regional championship. And you just rallied from eight down after one quarter to beat them earlier this week, 66-58 uh, in the state semis at Heritage High in Newport News. So your road to redemption in a lot of ways has been a sweet one. Yeah, man, you know what? Um, we really relish that moment. You know, we went through, through some things to try to get them, you know, during the year, um, and that didn't work out. And, you know, so to to, to be able to, you know, meet, meet up with them again um, in, the, in the same spot, you know, pretty much from the year before, you know, it's a lot. But, um, now I'm, you, you know what, I, I'm just proud of my guys because um, in the Peninsula District, because our district's so big, you know, we only get four open games. You know, we got 18 slotted games in. And so with those four games, definitely from our side, you know, uh, you know, you, you can either schedule for the points or you can schedule for the games to show up in March. And I've always been a guy, you know, all the going back to Coach Richardson, we used to take us to North Carolina to, the, you know, the Galaxico, which is now the John Wall. And I always believe in playing teams that, you know, we just not supposed to win the game, you know. And, and, and you know, when we went, to Gonzaga, when we went and played Gonzaga at the University of Maryland, you know, at the time, they were ranked number five in the country. And, you know, going into that game, you know, they were one of the most talked about teams in the country. They had just, you know, put on a, you know, an amazing show at the Jordan Brand Classic event in, in, in um, New York at the Gauchos Gym. And, you know, they were, they were you know, the number one team um, at that time in front of PVI in the Washington Post. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, the thing that we heard was, man, if y'all can weather their storm early, you all will be fine. You know, and, you know, my guys went out and really could play the complete basketball game. So um, it was then that I knew that we had the fight and the fortitude um, to really compete for a championship. You know, obviously we, you know, we took a couple of district losses and, you know, we went down to Cannon School to play against 
um, you know, Cannon, which is, you know, one of the perennial powers in North Carolina, they beat us on a half-court shot, but we fought, you know. Um, this All this year, man, this, this team has, you know, fought and, 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 and responded to adversity, you know, and so um, it's, it, it was never a doubt of if we would be in this game. It was, you know, a matter of can we consistently stay assignment sound enough for 32 minutes every night in and every night out, no matter who the opponent was, to put ourselves in this position. And I think that um, I think they went when it when the scenarios, you know, came to win or go home. You know, these guys, you know, really put it in their mind. We're not going home. And I think some of those games and those, you know, those teams that we played really, really prepared us to, you know, really be in this situation. Um, you know, even when we were down by eight, you know, against Maury um, in the state semifinals, you know, I didn't burn a timeout. You know, I obviously I always go to my bench right around the three or four minute mark in the in the first quarter to see who who ready to go. Um, but I never, I never, I was never bothered. Um, I knew that you know with this team, you know any type of adversity that they've seen, they've responded, um, and that's just a testament to these guys. You know they they go about their work the right way every single day. Um, I've had to actually scale them back in practice to make it no contact. Cause when we say, Hey, we're going to be, you know, 60% today, they only know 100% and that's being physical and playing fast. So, you know, over the last three and a half weeks or so, man, we've had minimal contact in practice, you know, which is, which is different for us. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know, I think that some of that is, you know, some of that comes with, you know, um, we, we're, we're a veteran group now and, you know, um, these guys really, really, you know, understand what's at stake. So um, us having to have physical practices to prepare us to play in physical games, that's no longer because we've already been through it. You know, we've already been battle tested. Um, you know, these guys just understand the environment that we're in. And, you know, they, they really, really went about their business the right way. Well, and you hit on some things that are interesting there, Steph. I think the we knew the ingredients were in place. You definitely did, and the capabilities back to the summertime when you won the Norfolk State team camp and you saw your depth and the pieces that you were blending together with that group, um, certainly led by Trevor Smith, who we highlighted. You got so many others from Michael Jenkins to Jacoby Reed, Christian Greenlaw, who's a football, basketball, dual sport kid now, Silas Barksdale. I want to hit on him because he's one that I watched you guys lose a tough game in the district to Kikitan, 69-60. to He came back and was just a monster against Gonzaga, that 82-73 win. That felt like it was a turning point in your season to go from losing a tough game at home to Kikitan, who's certainly no slouch of program, very good group that Willie Gauss has over there to respond and beat Gonzaga as good as they were. And the other moment, I think, was the game with Mitch. You played them twice during the season, packed houses. This time you play them a third time at Scope. I felt, and one of the reasons I picked you guys to win that game was it reminded me a lot of last year's Menchville Kikatan battle, where Kikatan came in on the long winning streak. It's just a tough draw in your region in 5B, which is arguably the toughest and fiercest in the entire state. And you win that game 57-39. We know a couple guys went down for Menchville, but I think what gets forgotten about in that game was Trevor Smith had 17 of his 30 points in the fourth quarter. So spend a little bit on Barksdale 1 and Smith, both of them rising to the occasion in big moments and how that's helped you guys. Well, and I just want to touch on, and because I'm, 
you know, and it, I'm a proponent of it. It doesn't really bother me. In the world where, you know, a lot of kids read class pretty much, give themselves a red shirt year to give themselves a little bit more time to develop. Silas Barksdale isn't one of those guys. You know, he could have easily been a freshman this year. You know what I'm saying? He's 15 year old, six nine kid that's still growing. You know, he's still having knee pains. And, you know, right around the middle of the season, right before that Gonzaga game, you know, I had to talk with him and told him, you know, if this team is going to reach his heights, I mean, you 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 got to be the X factor. You know what I mean? And he took it personal and, you know, his practice habits changed. It was a lot of times, you know, during the second half of the season, for weeks that, I mean, he was the best player on the floor in practice. And, you know, the thing was, when he translate practice to the games, you know, you know, we 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 gonna be extremely tough out, you know, and you know, right around that Gonzaga game, man, it had it, it clicked for him. Um, getting the MVP of that game, and then for the rest of the year, he was pretty much lights out. You know, we knew what we going to get. We we knew exactly what we were going to get from him. Um, I think he missed first team all league by one vote. Um, but you know, in my mind. You know, definitely first team all league, definitely first team all region. And it's because that keeps a kid motivated too, doesn't it? When he misses it by a vote, that keeps him motivated and fuel, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, he 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 he's at that, you know, at that point now where he's no longer prospect and you know, he's no longer a project. Like he's a player, you know, um for a long stretch, I think over a seven game stretch, man, he averaged, you know, 15, 16 rebounds a game. Which is which is vital for us, you know. He gave us so many second chance points at the basket, and um, one of the most one of his most most underrated attributes is that you know when you know when you get past our defender, you know he's excellent at walling up and altering shots. If he doesn't block it, you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. you know, um, I always knew um, once we got to the playoffs and down the stretch, because I did it last year, that we were going to start playing two bigs more. Obviously, with Christian playing football, he missed a lot of time and. He's a pretty big kid, you know, so we use pretty much that whole first half of the season to get him back into playing shape. I mean, we play a really, really fast brand of basketball, in-your-face defense that, you know, requires you to be in pretty much world-class shape. Um, and and right around the second half back in the season, Christian started kind of getting back into form. So uh, we knew that we were going to pretty much play a lot with two bigs. That's what made, you know, the most sense for us in the way that we play defense. And it's really worked out for us. And, you know, just to, you know, with Trevor Smith, he was kind of, you know, up and down all year long. But, you know, he's the type of kid that, well, hey, I, Steph, I know I can go off a of 17, you know, in a quarter at this point. You know, I've been doing it for a while now. But, you know, what about when I don't got it going? These guys got to be able to have the confidence to know that they can take over games too. And I think that was very mature of him. I mean, that's just the type of kid he is. He's never been a me guy, always been a team guy. And I think that, you know, a lot of the time him taking the back seat during the season um, has really helped us, you know, through this run because I think we've had different leading scores pretty much almost every single night. Um, one night is Travis Hamilton, who's Trevor Smith's little brother. The next night, you know, I mean, the other night it was Christian Greenlaw. The night before that it was Michael Jenkins. You know, the night before that, it was Trevor Smith. The night before that, it was my brother, Saquon Dees. You know what I mean? The night before, well, Messiah Stevens. You know, so that's the beauty about this team, the depth. And, you know, I feel confident 
and every single guy that's playing pretty much. I mean, I got nine guys playing starter minutes. You know, I really believe in each and every one of them. And, you know, I've said it and I said it again, this team is so mature that, I mean, whoever got it going, that's who they want to ride. You know what I mean? They 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 yeah. like seeing each other play well. They like making the extra pass. You know, they like being there, you know, and help defense. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, when you got one of them groups, man, that's, that, that's, that, that, that's just for each other. And, you know, this group has been for each other since we went down to um, – North Carolina for the June live period, and we played North Mac. We beat them by 20, you know, who's a perennial power. Um, we played West over out of Fayetteville. We beat them by 30, who's a perennial power. We played West Charlotte, who's a perennial power. We beat them by 30. You know what I mean? We played mm -hmm. Southern Durham. You know, we beat them by 30. That's kind of when I knew, like, okay, yeah, this group is special. You know, we just got to get in world-class shape, you know, and endure the, physical, the, the physicality of a enduring grind. Um, and stay as healthy as possible, and, you know, we really, really have a chance. Give me a minute here with Stephon Welsh, former two-time state champion player with the Woodside Wolverines, now the head coach of the team at 22-5, and five, getting ready to take on 29-2 Patrick Henry of Roanoke in the Class 5 state championship, a 1 o'clock tip at VCU. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Also, our VirginiaPreps.com Zoom cast available on YouTube as well. And when you walk into the Siegel Center, Saturday, right before tip. I know it's going to bring back some memories, some great ones of your days when you helped. Uh, you mentioned Coach John Richardson, who you played for, who I know is a mentor and has come back and spoke to your guys and is still part of you in the program in Woodside and former assistant coach at Virginia Tech and Old Dominion when you all beat Potomac 79-73 back in 2004 and rallied to beat that Percy Harvin, Stanley Pringle-led Lansdowne team 74-71 in 2005 with your mates like Calvin Baker, Sam and Willie Bell, and Leroy Foster. Um, how's it going to be different now on the sidelines as a coach against this opponent you got in Patrick Henry Runner, which I'm not sure they know a whole lot about you and they, and you may not know a whole lot about them. It's kind of a neat matchup to get a tie water matchup that we don't ordinarily see in this setting. You know what, Matt? I've probably watched about eight of their games. Okay. I'm very familiar with, you know, with, with their personnel. I think they do a really good job. They do a good job of, you know, playing at their pace. You know, boo is really good. You know, um, he had a really strong spring and summer last year with Team Load in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, really, really good, really good guards that can get downhill and do some things. You know, got a couple of shooters, so you know we know that we got to stay disciplined, and you know we know that they're going to come to play. You know, um, you know we're not going to take them lightly. You know, we're going to go through our normal, you know, game prep stuff, and you know, um, we we you know, we look forward to a really, really good matchup from a, you know, a, a really well coached team that's disciplined and, you know, they stick to what they do. Um, but to, you know, to answer your other question, you know, just to get back in the single center, it's different now because, you know, at Woodside, we try to, you know, tailor our program to, a, you know, a, a, a college program as much as possible. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously, Matt, with you, you know, traveling and doing the radio world, you, you know, we, you know, you travel a day before the game, you go ahead, shoot around, you had team meal, you watch film, you know, and, and, and you, so that's what we're going to do. I, you know, I think it's a good thing that Newport News is out of school on Friday. Um, we're actually going to, you know, leave travel up Friday, you know, practice up there, um, you know, have our team meal with, you know, watch some film, um, you know, go have a, a team out and you know at the movies you know just 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 some team building stuff and 
we're gonna get up in the morning and um have breakfast, go back to the gym for another walkthrough and then, you know, get ready to play. So, you know, when I was coming through, it was more so, hey, we're going to take the bus up there before the game and it's time to go. You know, I think our preparation will be a little different. Um, but I fully expect a good game. I expect the electric crowd. Um, and I expect these guys to play really, really, really well. Um, obviously, I think the, the, the bigger court, you know, it, it, it helps us. You know, um, just like the scope helped us, um, you know, we 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 pride ourselves on being in world class shape. You know, because of the way that we play, and you know, just to have you know all that extra space, you know, to be able to get up and down the floor the way we do. You know, we 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 like that environment. So, I'm just looking forward to, you know, a good you know a good well coached game from both teams and. You know, we're going to go out there and, and, and play our brand of basketball and let the chips fall where they may. But, you know, it's definitely going to bring back memories, man, all, all, all through the year. You know, just watching these guys. And, you know, the first game of the year when it's sold out against Kickatan, from, you know, watching Kickatan be sold out to Woodside being sold out to, you know, having state basketball games in Newport News. You know, I don't know when the last time or if we've ever had that. You know, back when I was playing, we was, you know, going to Churchill. So um, just to see the city rally around these guys, you know, with so much that's going on, you know, in our school system and, you know, so much that has going on in the city, you know, to be a positive influence and to give the people in Newport News something positive to get behind, you know, it's been it's been the ultimate blessing. I know uh, everybody in the 757 looking forward to it as you're the last boys team standing on the public school side. Of course, a couple of girls teams in Hampton and Princess Anne, fortunate enough to make it, but the last boys team that's gone through the gauntlet from Region 5B and just all the divisions from Class 6 down to Class 1, the Woodside Wolverines, who at 22-5 and five will take on the 29-2 Patrick Henry Roanoke Patriots, a 1 o'clock tip Saturday afternoon at the Siegel Center at VCU in Richmond, Stephon Welsh. Congrats on a great job. It's been a joy watching you as a player, now as a coach leading these group of young men, and uh, all the best to you. Look forward to the call coming up on Saturday. Man, man, I appreciate you for having me, man. I just want to thank everybody that supported my team all year long. You know, I want to thank the city of Newport News for, you know, pushing us through that Maury game and everybody that showed up to the Norfolk Scope, everybody that followed us from the first game and to, to the last game at the Secret Center. I just want, you know, everyone to know that we genuinely appreciate all your support. That's Stephon Welsh, head boys basketball coach of the Woodside Wolverines out of Newport News, going for a state championship with his group against Patrick Henry Roanoke here on our VirginiaPreps.com Zoomcast, also available on YouTube and heard all across the Commonwealth on 94.1 Priority Auto Sports Radio. 94.1. All right, we are zooming here on virginiapreps.com, also on our YouTube channel and heard on 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 in the Tidewater Market. Matt Hatfield here with you. Please be joined by a special guest. You know him from his days in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Not only did his, broad, his dad broadcast so many games, uh, John Castleberry, across the Tidewater and Hampton Roads landscape, whether it be ODU, Tides, you name it. Uh, he is an assistant basketball coach. He was on the men's side, went on the women's side, now back on the men's side with Fairleigh Dickinson University out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, Cape Henry Collegiate. We say congrats to Jack Castleberry with us here. Uh, Jack, congrats. You're going dancing with Fairleigh Dickinson to the NCAA tournament. I know you're excited. This your first time to go dancing? It is. It, is. it feels like it's been a uh, a long time in the works, man, but I appreciate you having me on, Matt. 
Well, our pleasure. Uh, let's do this, though. For those that are unfamiliar with your background a little bit, fill them in. I mentioned your dad being a broadcaster for many years, so you grew around, grew up around the sports side of things. In fact, your mom, I believe, was in the broadcasting field as well, and television news side, those type of things. But yeah. tell us how you got involved with coaching and the sport and sort of your twists and turns and how you landed at Fairleigh Dickinson. Well, I mean, obviously it was really cool having a father who worked in the sports world growing up. And so uh, I've known I wanted to be a college basketball coach since I was 12 years old. Uh, I had really – great access to the old dominion basketball program because my dad was a play-by-play guy for them for 20 some years um and actually coach cable when he was there i got to be around the, the the program a ton and figured out early on like this was a pretty cool profession i thought it was something that obviously it wasn't just basketball you were making an impact on guys lives at a pretty young age a pretty cool age to kind of when, when these kids are developing and everything and so i thought it was something i wanted to do and it's worked out well and been a, a fun ride sure now you were at i believe it was vmi you played ball yeah, so what, I played at VMI. Uh, was at Cape Henry, got to VMI, uh, graduated, went to UT Martin in the OVC for one year, then went back to VMI for four years, uh, left VMI to go to Siena for two years on the women's side, then actually chose to get out of it, lived in Philadelphia for two years. Uh, the guy that I played for and worked for at VMI, Duger Balkum, got the head job down at the Citadel. Uh, I spent about a year volunteering in the Philly Catholic League. Loved it, immediately missed being in the gym. And uh, so he had a job back down at the Citadel. So I got back in there and I was there for six years and then jumped on board here uh, about a year ago. It's been a fun ride. Yeah, and uh, getting a chance to coach. I mean, I know when you were at the Citadel, also VMI, that the program was known under Coach Balkum there, high scoring among the best in the oh, country yeah. offensively. And uh, I know you recruited the Commonwealth quite well. Austin Keenan is yeah. now an assistant there from First Colonial in Virginia Beach. So it's neat to have those roots, but also just see – how that style of basketball translates to the highest level, because when you can score at that clip, you can play with anybody, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had some great players out of Virginia. I mean, DJ Covington was one of the best bigs that ever played VMI. Uh, Austin, obviously, one of the best shooters of all time. Uh, Quentin Upshur was there for a little while at, at book from Booker T. Washington as a heck of a player. Uh, so we loved recruiting the 757, had a ton of success doing it. Now, uh, you went to Siena on the women's side. What was that yep. like? And then getting back to the men's side, as I'm sure you, you get to see the different styles and how that game is different from the men's game, but I'm sure it also helped you in your development from a coaching perspective as well. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, my best friend at the time uh, who played lacrosse and was a lacrosse coach at VMI, his sister was an assistant women's basketball coach at Northwestern. And she actually got the job at Siena um, in 2012. And I hadn't really thought about jumping to the women's side at all. Um, but when she got the job, I'd known her really well. Uh, love obviously was very close with the brother and we had a few conversations and it, it worked out great it was a really good experience for me it was you know obviously a little bit different experience than what you're used to um but i had two little sisters growing up so you just kind of treat them like hey these are my little sisters well how would i protect them how would i teach them um and that's your role you know and so it was great it was a lot of fun uh some of those girls are some of the toughest people i've ever been around in my life uh there's there's one girl that was just tough as nails that if I was starting an NFL football team, I'd put her in the lineup because she was as tough as she could possibly be. Um, but uh, it was great. Learned a lot from it and became a better coach from it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, your program at Fairleigh Dickinson uh, as an assistant coach now, you are 19-15, is that correct? Yeah, yep. Tell me about how the year has been. You get to the Northeast Conference Tournament Championship game, and before you even play it, you punch your ticket to go dancing because the team you're set to play in Merrimack is yeah. not eligible for the tournament, making that move up. And, and it had to be a strange situation, but it's pretty cool to get ready to play for a championship game and you've already got the ticket punched. But I know you guys also still wanted to win the game too. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, it was a unique situation. Uh, so we 
last year. So our, my head coach, Tobin Anderson, was a Division II St. Thomas Aquinas last nine years. Did an incredible job there. Went to NCAA tournaments every year. Sweet 16s, Elite 8s. It was, it was pretty normal for him, right? Uh, we got hired here in May. Uh, the program had actually had a lot of success in the past, but the last few years just kind of in, in a little bit of a decline. And so when we got hired, we were able to bring over two transfers from St. Thomas Aquinas, excuse me, three transfers from St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, and a kid that was actually committed to him at St. Thomas Aquinas named Joel Emanuel. So we came over here, brought in some new blood, recruited a bunch of other players, and then there was guys here who were already very, very good players. Uh, and we've been able to, to mesh that all together pretty well. Uh, it's been a good experience. We beat St. Joe's at St. Joe's earlier in the year. Uh, actually went down to the Commonwealth and, and played in Longwood's MTE and played Longwood and SIUE and, and VMI, coincidentally. Uh, so it was good out-of-conference schedule. And then we got into league play, got off to a good start, jumped out 5-0. and uh, Then I think we kind of fell into a little bit of a lull where we kind of got a little bit complacent, you know, and, and, and maybe dropped a game or two that we don't feel like we should have, which I think is pretty common in college basketball. You are dealing with, you know, 18- to 22-year-old kids, and consistency is hard for anyone, let alone a college kid. You know, um, but then we finished strong and kind of got on the right path. And in the tournament, it was certainly unique going into that event because uh, usually that's a battle for an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, but the rules are what they are. We didn't make them. We're, we're not playing by them. Uh, you do worry about like an emotional drop off going into the event because you're like, hey, we've already punched our ticket. We've done a lot of celebrating already. So you do as a coaching staff try to keep them in line. Uh, hey, guys, we're still pushing for this. We still want to hang a, a banner and all that stuff. Uh, we had a lead going in late, didn't really execute great down the stretch. Um, so we obviously disappointed in the result of that game, but thrilled to be going forward and, and being in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it should be awesome. You don't care about the seed at this time of the year, but it's a one seed, a two seed, a 16 seed, a 15 seed. You're going dancing. It's March Madness style. We're talking with Jack Castleberry, assistant basketball coach for Fairleaf Dickinson University out of the Northeast Conference. They're getting ready for the big tournament. You can hear a lot of the action right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 through our friends at Westwood One. It is 757 Saturday Sports Talk powered by Larry King Law, also seen on our YouTube channel and on virginiapreps.com. Jack, a native of Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Cape Henry Collegiate, also a former VMI key. I'm going to go there. You said you got the win against St. Joe's. You played Longwood from the Commonwealth, but you faced your alma mater. How sweet and, and kind of ironic, neat was that whole uh, mixed emotions? I imagine you were going through a lot of different things during that game. Yeah, well, you know, it has. It didn't really have the same effect as it may have had typically because being at the Citadel the past six years, we played them twice a year. Uh, and so it was really unique going in league at another military school that's kind of a rival school and coming back home. And there's this like, you know, this real intense energy in the gym. It's, it's always a great environment to play in. Uh, so playing them off site when we've already done it quite a few times between me and Coach Balkum for, the, the, I guess, 12 times, probably more than that in the conference tournament, probably 14 times we played. It kind of lost some of its uh, emotional luster, if you will. Uh, just another game, which was is, is nice because sometimes that Citadel VMI rivalry can get pretty intense regardless of what side you're on. Sure. For those that are unfamiliar with the brand of basketball and what all you do at Fairleigh Dickinson, what would you say is unique about your program and the situation there? Because every time a year, every year we see different teams, whether it be your program that's fortunate enough to win, somebody comes out of nowhere. I mean, we've seen it especially close to home in the Commonwealth with magical runs by George Mason in 2,600, yep. Jim Leonard and Smart's yeah. BCU team. Yeah, I mean, even Richmond last year advancing under Chris Mooney. We see these programs come out of nowhere. It could be Sister Gina Loyola, Chicago. What's, what would you say is something special about the program that you would like the audience to know about FDU? Well, I think there's a couple of things that we do that are, are unique to, to college basketball, or excuse me, to this level, this day of college basketball. I and mean, we run motion offense, which you don't see a, a ton of anymore, like a pure motion where guys are constantly cutting, constantly moving. So much of today's game is spacing, right? And we still talk about spacing and all those sorts of things, but there's a lot more movement 
throughout an offensive possession for us, and I think there is in a lot of programs. Um, and then we press a lot, and we press, you know, man-to-man, trying to turn people over. Uh, it's an aggressive style of play. So it's exciting. Uh, it's up-tempo. Uh, it's, you know, kind of – I've been with programs like that for the vast majority of, of my career because we did that, you know, pretty much at BMI as well. We didn't run motion offense, but that up-tempo style. Um, so it's been good. It's been a great experience, and, and I think we play a brand of basketball that's, that's fun to watch and fun to play. And for you, your day-to-day responsibilities, I mean, it's so different now in college basketball from when you started to this point in terms of NIL, the transfer portal, so many different variables and things in the mix. Yeah. Sort of take the, the audience a little bit behind what your day-to-day job is. I mean, you have scouting, you have game planning, you have recruiting, you have so many different things on your plate, but you have to manage them all and stay organized and, and get ready for games when they come. Yeah, I mean, a lot this time of year, a lot of it just comes back to scouting. You spend a lot of time watching opponents and making sure that you know the ins and outs of them and what do you want to communicate to the team and how do you break that down? What's important? What's not important? What can we filter out and what's the necessities what we have to get across to them, right? Uh, then obviously recruiting is a big part of this thing. And recruiting does tend to kind of have a little bit of a downturn during the season, but you're still making sure you're going to watch your guys that you have signed, trying to find out about a couple of guys that you may need if if something melts down or guys decide to transfer in the off season. Because that, that is a unique part of probably what's changed most in the last five years is you don't necessarily at the end of the season know what your roster is going to look like, even if you think you know what your roster is going to look like. Um, so we're used to say like, hey, we're full. We don't have any scholarships available. Now you're saying we're full, but let's find out about this kid because this situation could change very quickly, whether you want it to or not. Um, so you're constantly on top of that stuff. And then obviously you're doing skill development stuff with your players. You're still getting the extra shots up in the gym with them away from practice. Um, and you're sitting there spending time with them talking about their grades. And, and honestly, like a, think nowadays you have even more of a, as a like not that you're a psychologist but a role in just the day-to-day life of your players you can't you're not just coaching basketball anymore you kind of have to be 20 different things which is probably for the best um but it's a fun it's a fun line of work there's no doubt about it that's fdu assistant jack casper with us here on 757 saturday sports talk also seen on our youtube channel and virginiapreps.com part of the rivals network powered by yahoo sports heard on priority auto sports radio 94 Point one as well.